Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. Today, we're going to talk about the value of qualitative customer data and how to use it well. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Daniel Erickson, founder and CEO at Viable, an AI analytics tool that enables businesses to instantly access and act on valuable insights from customer feedback. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Greg. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, looking forward to talking about this with you. Uh, why don't we get started, though, by you giving a little background on yourself as well as a little bit about what Viable does. Sure. So I'm, I'm Dan Erickson, CEO and founder here at Viable. I started the company about three years ago, and we're in the early stages of this, uh, this whole AI boom. And we, we help companies understand their customers by aggregating customer feedback from a bunch of different sources organizing that feedback for them, and then automatically analyzing uh, that feedback as well using AI generative analysis. Great. Great. Wonderful. Well, yeah, and definitely to your, to your point, lots of talk about AI these days and in, in, in a number of areas. So yeah, looking forward to talking about this, this aspect with you. So we're going to talk about qualitative customer data and how to use these insights most effectively. So let's start with a little background on how qualitative and quantitative data work uh, both together and separately. How would you characterize the relationship between quantitative and qualitative customer feedback? Definitely. So first, let's do some definitions here. So so quantitative data uh, are things like app usage metrics, actual ratings on the app store, you know, any, any sort of like sales pipeline uh, numbers, basically if it's a hard number, that's the quantitative stuff on the, on the qualitative side, it's unstructured feedback. It's things like open-ended survey responses and app store reviews and social media mentions and help desk tickets and sales call transcripts. So these are all different ways of getting feedback. Generally speaking, quantitative feedback will tell you what your users are doing but it can't tell you why they're doing it. That's where qualitative feedback comes in. So qualitative feedback can come in and help you understand the why behind the actions that your customers are taking and behind the sort of experiences that they're having and their ratings for those things. So to really sort of characterize these things uh, separately, we've got quantitative data that tells you the what, you've got qualitative that tells you the why. And when you marry those two things together, you can get the full picture of what your customers think about your product or service. Yeah. And so what are some of the, you, you mentioned some of the sources of, of quantitative. What are some of the sources of qualitative feedback, uh, knowing that 
again, we'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute, but knowing that these these can be aggregated and and used by by your tool. But what what are some of the sources that of qualitative feedback that that you can pull through or pull from? Yeah, absolutely. the The most common source for uh, for qualitative feedback is uh, it, it might be surprising, but it is help desk tickets. It's, it's your support queue. So your Zendesk, your intercom, fronts, customer, all of these uh, these sort of large companies that help you on the on the help desk side. So we plug into to all of those. On top of that, there's there's things like call transcripts, so Gong or Chorus. There are App Store ratings, so the App Store and the iOS, the iOS App Store and the Android Play Store, and surveys on top of that. So NPS, CSATs, any sort of PMF uh, like product market fit surveys you're doing, or any sort of targeted surveys as well. So in-app feedback, reviews on uh, on Amazon and Walmart. So basically. All of these places are, are places that your customers are talking to you or about you. And uh, it, it really helps to sort of aggregate all of those things into one place so that you can get, get a bird's eye view of the, of the whole thing. Yeah. So what are what are brands often overlooking in terms of utilizing, uh, you know, you mentioned a lot, uh, quite a few different types of customer feedback, but what, what are they overlooking in terms of utilizing this effectively, not just seeing what their rating is, but really utilizing it to, to make changes or make improvements or, or, or whatnot. Yeah. So, so most companies, uh, will look at things like what their, what their average rating is on the app stores or what their, their current NPS score is, but all of those, uh, those platforms actually also allow customers to write in reviews and, uh, and explanations for why they, they gave the rating that they did. And right now, lots of companies use those top line graphs and they're like, okay, yeah, cool. Our, our NPS is growing or our app store or our iOS app is, uh, is dropping in, uh, in ratings. But it's, it can be really tough for teams to understand why those things are happening. So it's, it's pretty easy to, to understand what your current uh, sort of customer sentiment looks like overall. But when you're digging in to understand why, why is my NPS score dropping or why is my app store rating dropping? It's pretty tough to do that without digging in and reading through every response that you got through those qualitative data channels. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think that's a that's one of my criticisms of kind of the the surveying or over surveying in general is just that is you know they're often they're lagging indicators and the quantitative stuff is really what's required sometimes to do the forensics or you know just kind of figure out what's going on but so so you're saying utilizing a let's say you know it's it's even sometimes there's a good nps rating let's say but someone puts something critical in it can you use all of that that information you know as long as it's one of those open text fields or whatever can you use all of that and kind of get a better picture of what may be going right or wrong yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so you might have a, a really great NPS score uh, overall, and even it, it, somebody may even give you like a nine or something on uh, on NPS. But within the comment itself, they'll say things like, "I really loved the uh, the onboarding that I had with John, but my experience at checkout had, was was a little buggy, right?" And they might have yeah. given you a nine overall, so it, it would reflect very positively in the uh, in the NPS score itself. But there was some extra context there in that comment that got missed. If you're not reading through and reviewing every single one of these 
sorting them into multiple different buckets of pain points and features and different personas, then you're not getting the full benefit you get from collecting all of this data. And it's really, really tough to do if you're just humans reading through it. Uh, Many, many companies are spending dozens of hours a week just reading this stuff. And it's uh, maybe not the best use of time if, uh, if computers can start doing that for us. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and along those lines, how do you determine what, whether it's a human or a machine, but you know, how, do, how does a brand determine whether they should accept or reject customer feedback as something to pay attention to? Like what, what's, what's either, is it a threshold? Is it a, you know, what, what, is, what is it that really helps, helps a brand determine what, that they should be paying attention to it? Yeah. So first off, I would say that uh, that you should probably be paying attention to all of the customer customer feedback that you're getting in. Um, that said, uh, there is some feedback that's a lot more valuable than others, and that what that boils down to is actually the persona of the person that is submitting that feedback. So it's all that extra metadata around the person uh, that you should care about. So things like is this from my free tier or is it from my enterprise tier? Is this in a market that we really care about or is it in one of the markets that we don't really care about? So it's really defining what that that sort of ideal customer profile looks like for you and then really, really paying attention to the feedback that you get from people who match that profile. Before we continue, let's take a quick break. If you're like many marketing leaders today, you're inundated with a need to improve the customer experience across an increasing number of channels and touch points, all while ensuring your team is performing well, innovating, and continuously improving. So how do you find the time to determine what's next for you, your team, your brand, and your customers? My company, GK5A, can help. Whether it is advisory services, evaluation of marketing technology platforms and solutions, or digital agencies and implementation partners, or assistance with creating strategic roadmaps and prioritization of efforts, we've done it all and served as an ally to Fortune 1000 brands and industries like financial services, healthcare, consumer electronics, professional services, and more. You can learn more about these services and contact us at www.gk5a. That's www.gk5a.com. Now let's get back to the show. I want to talk a little bit, you touched on this already, but I want to talk a little more specifically about the AI component and how that ties into to customer feedback. So your platform, Viable, as you mentioned at the top of the show, utilizes AI, helps analyze customer feedback. Can you talk a little bit about how this works? Because you, you mentioned several different types of sources that it's coming from. How is this effective? And you know why, why do you think that AI is the right fit for this type of work? Absolutely. So yeah, uh, Viable aggregates data from, from all of the sources that I just listed. Um, we've got yeah. native integrations with all of, the, all of those different platforms. And what it does is it actually pulls in uh, the data in real time as, uh, as conversations are happening in these platforms. In real time actually enriches those, uh, those conversations. So say you've got uh, you know, a chat that's happening in Intercom. As soon as that chat ends, uh, it gets sent over to Viable. Viable then takes a look at the transcript for that chat and identifies all the different topics that the uh, the customer was talking about. So it'll, it'll talk talk about like any bugs they reported, any complaints they have, any feature requests they might have asked for, uh, any compliments they may have given uh, you, the service, or the uh, or the product itself, 
and identify all of those different topics uh, within the within the data set there. Now it's doing this for every single conversation that your team is having with your customers and actually every survey response that's coming in, every review that you receive, all of those things are being sort of in real time enriched. Now, now that we've got sort of all that enriched data in one place, uh, we can then do a periodic report on that entire data set. So our customers basically grab all the, their data from all those different platforms, pull it in, uh, and then our system goes through and on a weekly basis writes up a AI-generated report for our customers to easily find the top complaints, the top compliments, top requests, and top questions that their customers have about the about their service. So we do this using GPT-4 and uh, and other large language models to really deeply identify the context of the data coming in. We actually have done sort of a head-to-head comparison between us and uh, a manual process. And we we generally will uh, come up with about three to five different topics for these conversations, whereas most humans would sort them into just one or two. Hmm. So we get a lot more granular in our insights because of that. So yeah. we actually are now producing what I would call superhuman reports on this quality of data sets. Yeah, so this, this kind of ties into, I mean, my... I would consider myself relatively an optimist, at least when it comes to technology and and AI. And you know, I think the my feelings on it are AI can really augment human teams' ability to do things. It sounds it sounds like that's what this is about. Is like there's it's not just you set it and forget it, and AI starts running running all of this stuff on its own. But it's it's AI taking vast amounts of information that humans couldn't possibly go through or if they do to your point i don't know if it's bias or if it's just you know humans have a hard time just parsing mountains of of data but you know ai is able to come up with with better recommendations i mean do you see this as ai human augmentation is that is that kind of the the philosophy behind this yes absolutely uh, i yeah. i firmly believe that Humans alone can perform at maybe, you know, 80%. Uh, AI alone could perform at maybe 80%, but AI plus humans can perform at like 150%. Yeah. And so our whole thesis here is that every team within a company should be able to access the customer feedback that helps them achieve their, their, their goal as, as well as they can. You know, the marketing team might use it to identify what benefits and compliments that people have for the for the product so that they can craft better messaging. The product team might use it to identify all of the the gaps in the product so that uh, they can add more features to to satisfy the, the the market there. Sales teams might use it to go figure out where, you know, all of the objections are and try to try to sort of fix fix all of that up. Uh, the uh, customer experience teams might might use it to identify all the frequently asked questions that are coming up so that they can better build uh, you know macros and responses to their customer support requests. So overall, the, this giant amounts of of qualitative data that these companies are already collecting can be applied to almost every team within the company. Yeah. And in doing so, you're sort of marrying this uh, this sort of AI that really deeply understands your your customer feedback. Uh, with your company's objectives and goals. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Last topic I wanted to talk about is just this from the the customer perspective. And, you know, I think all of us 
no matter what we do in our in our day jobs, we're we're also consumers at least by night, and you know we're inundated with surveys and and requests for feedback. A brief tangent here, but it's it's timely because I just flew back home last night from a conference. My flight was delayed a couple hours. I had to deplane, you know, and wait in the airport for for two hours. Not the airline's fault. The airline will remain nameless but you know this morning i get a survey completely generic survey from them saying we hope your flight was pleasant or whatever well you know yeah they they did a fine job and and did the best they could it was nobody's fault somebody flight crew got sick or something like that but don't send me a survey asking about my flight being pleasant or not when you have the information to know that there was an issue or or something like that long way of getting kind of getting back to the point which is what do brands need to you know they're we're over surveyed there's lots of reasons for that it's probably the topic of a whole other podcast let alone maybe just even an episode but you know what should brands be keeping in mind in order to get the best feedback from their customer because in order to get good feedback you need to ask the right questions and at the right time and, and things like that yeah, absolutely. Uh, I could probably talk for forever on uh, <laughs> yeah. on survey design and uh, and triggers and, and and all of that. But high level, here's here's a few things. So, one, I think most surveys have way too many questions in them, and the reason we do this is because it makes it makes it actually easier to process the, yeah. the data after the fact. Because most of the time, what people do is they ask a bunch of multiple choice questions. Um, you know, it's like, which job title do you fit under, or if you had to choose one of these features, which one would be the one that you want us to build? Yeah. They organize these surveys this way because it makes it much easier to actually analyze the results. But you're optimizing for your own sort of internal processes there, not for your actual customer's perspective. Yeah. So my advice is actually to greatly limit the number of questions you're asking your customers. You don't, you don't want to go ask them 50 questions. You want to ask them the three most salient questions and allow them to, uh, to type type answers out in their own words. Yeah. Historically, it's been tough to do that because you have to go through and read everything, but we've got AI now that can that can help you do that. So that's the first the first bit is, is ask more open-ended questions and fewer multiple choice questions. So things yeah. like, how can we improve the product for you? Or what is the main benefit you receive from this product? Or what kind of user would be the, the best fit or would get the most benefit from using this product? All of those, and all of those things actually are, uh, are much better questions than, you know, stack rank these features or <laughs> yeah, yeah. what's your biggest complaint? Choose one of the above. So that's, that's the first step there. And then the second is context. We're, we're to the point now where we're tracking basically everything that our, that our customers are doing uh, in our tools. So we should, we should be able to understand what kinds of experiences our customers are having and tailor the, the trigger of these surveys to certain events. So for example, if I just rated my uh, delivery for some, for some delivery app at a one star, you know, then I just had a bad experience. Yeah, so right. for that one, I would, I would actually honestly suggest just calling up the customer and, and directly talking to them. Yeah. Yeah. But for say like a, you know, a two star, a three star, maybe that's, that's send a, how can we improve survey? If they, if they do a five star rating on it, maybe you send a, uh, you know, what do you love about it? Or, or who else do you think would love this kind of thing? Yeah. So you, you can tailor those, those surveys to, to really just specifically hit the exact type of experience that you're, that you're hoping to get feedback about. Yeah. And then yeah. lastly, and this is kind of more 
future looking for us. But uh, I, I do believe that that we're we're about to move into a world that has much smarter surveys. So yeah. instead of just asking the the big question of how can we improve this product for you, you might ask that question at first, and then the survey could be smart enough to start digging into specifics to help you know pull out the uh, the very specific things that you need to know about your customers. Yeah, yeah, no, lo- love it all, and uh, agreed. I think the the survey mindset is coming from uh, an era where this some of the stuff that you've been talking about here just didn't exist, and you know, relying on on humans to kind of parse it and stuff. So I'm I'm excited for improvements in that area because I mean, as a as a marketing and a and a CX consultant and advisor, that's there's one part of that that I'm excited about. But also, just as a consumer, I'm I'm sick of getting surveys that I just I'm kind of annoyed because of the lack of the lack of context awareness and and all that stuff. As as you mentioned, no, that's 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 great stuff. Well, one last question before we wrap up here, and you know, you've given a lot of great advice already, but just wanted to get one piece of advice that you would have for brands that want to start using qualitative customer data more effectively, uh, what would you recommend as maybe, maybe a place to get started? I recommend starting with, with just one of those, uh, those sources, right? So, so dig into uh, an NPS survey that you ran or dig into you know, the last week's worth of, uh, of qualitative data that you got from uh, your Zendesk uh, help desk. So... Okay. Just start start small. Find find a, a data set that you think could help you understand these customers better and really dig in. Start reading through everything. You know, if, if that ends up being way too much for you, say you'd say you're a brand that's that's big enough to have thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of support tickets per month, that's gonna not be really tenable for you. So uh, you know, once once you kind of graduate past that, you gotta start looking around for tools to help you dig in and, and see the forest for the trees. Wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank Daniel Erickson, founder and CEO at Viable for joining the show. You can learn more about Daniel and Viable by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkilstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.